Good to see everybody here. Um, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Brother Travis Sharp, and I'm filling in for Pastor Malcolm tonight, and excited about it. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad you showed up tonight, and I believe that, that the Lord has got for us just what He's ordered on this night. I want you to take your Bible and stand up with me. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And we'll just read, well, for right now, we're just going to read one verse. So this will be a quick stand. Amen? (laughs) Senior said, hallelujah. And he ain't even standing up. (laughs) He's rejoicing while he's sitting down. Amen. All right. Psalm 119 and verse 80 says, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Let's read that one more time. Let's do it together. Psalm 119, 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you for your word, for your statutes, for your promises. And I pray tonight that you would feed us as your children from your word. I pray you'd use this verse and the multitude of other verses that we will read tonight and help it to instruct us, and to encourage us and make us better because we heard and learned. I pray the same prayer that uh, Pastor Malcolm prays, Lord, please don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and Lord, please don't let me uh, forget anything that I should. We love you. We pray you bring all things to our remembrance that we've studied, and uh, we thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We just wanted to read one verse uh, starting out. Uh, There's many that are going to connect with it within Psalm 119, but I just wanted to read you that one, or read you that one to get started. If you're unfamiliar with the 119th Psalm, it is a great one to get real familiar with. Uh, There are over 170 verses in Psalm 119. There are 70 prayer requests in the psalm, in the whole of Psalm 119. 70 times the writer makes a, a prayer request. And the writer, the psalmist, he refers to himself. 325 times in this psalm. And of course, we would deduct from that that it's extremely personal. The Word of God is referred to in 173 out of 176 verses. So this this psalm is all about God's Word. If you want to feel closer to the Word of God, this one is a great one to read and meditate within. There's eight synonyms that are used for the Bible in this psalm. They are the word law, testimonies, precepts, Statutes, commandments, judgments, appointments, and word. All of those are our synonyms for the Word of God or the Bible. So when you see any of those eight words, it's pointing us to the very Word of God. Tonight I want to talk to you about my Bible... And my heart. And I promise, if you will, uh, and I, if you and I will listen uh, 
and really take this in, God has something to help us tonight. My Bible and my heart. I want you to notice the Bible is an authentic text. Authentic. 2 Peter 1.21 tells us about the Bible. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That tells us how we got our Bible. It tells us about the holy men of God who God moved on them. God breathed on them. God inspired them as they wrote. This is the most authentic book you and I could ever hold in our hands. The Bible is also absolute truth. And by the way, would you agree with me that that is pretty important in our day and hour? When there's a whole lot of falsehoods, a whole lot of blatant lies, a whole lot of half-truths, the Bible is authentic. Absolute truth. John, 1, uh, John 17, 17 says, and by the way, this is Jesus saying this, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he tacked on there for good measure, thy word is truth. The Bible is not only an authentic text and absolute truth, but the Bible is applicable today. Contrary to what scoffers may claim the Bible is not out of date. The Bible is not old-fashioned. I would venture to say that your Bible that you hold in your hand tonight is more up-to-date than tomorrow's edition of the newspaper you're going to get if you still get a newspaper. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have also... A more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Peter called the Bible a more sure word of prophecy. It's applicable today. So the Bible, and we could say, we could literally, uh, if I had enough notes, I guess, We could stay here all night talking about what the Bible is. But let me tell you some things about the heart. I told you some things about the Bible. Now some things about the heart. The heart is a place of hiding. Psalm 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now that's a very positive hiding place, amen? Amen. Uh, It's where you and I, when when we memorize verses, and maybe we're mowing the lawn, or maybe we're driving down the road, or maybe in a tight spot, and, and that verse comes to our mind, it's because we hid that in our heart. We also know that the human heart can be a hiding spot for a lot of negative things. Like secret sins. Like things that nobody else knows about. The heart or the soul or the the seat of our emotions is a hiding place. It's also a place of healing. You ever forgave someone or maybe someone forgave you? Maybe you, you cleared the air and, and you just felt, oh, you felt relief. You felt better. You felt that in your heart because the heart is that place within us that heals. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 51.10, this is David. He said, create in me a clean 
heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The heart is also a place of hoping. In other words, our our dreams are there. Our ambitions are there. Our hopes are lodged deep within our heart. That's why the Bible says, I think in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. In our ministry to the unsheltered, one thing that uh, April and I practice and Hunter and Tara and the different ones that help us is we don't make promises if we are not 110% sure we can fulfill them promises. Because there's no greater way to discourage somebody than to promise them something and then forget about them. Amen? And so we like to under-promise and over-deliver. That way, if, if we do come through with it, uh, we, look, we come out looking better than we, we would have anyway. And the reason is because hope is in the heart. And if you let somebody down, to you, you might just say, well, we got busy. But to them, you just let them down. Uh, and so the heart. So, so we see kind of what the Bible is. And we see a lot of what the heart is. Now here's where I'm going. There must be a strong connection between our Bible and our heart. I would venture to say there's a whole lot of Christians who never have really connected their Bible and their heart. Now let me make this connection with you biblically. Psalm 119 and verse 10. The psalmist says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So the psalmist said it was with my heart that I looked for you, God. That I sought you in my time of difficulty. And then he said, don't let me wander away from your word. Psalm 119 and verse 80, the one we read together at the beginning says, let my heart be sound in thy statutes. You see the connection there? Heart, statutes. Remember we said the word statutes was a synonym for the word of God. Here's the problem. A lot of us have the Bible on our nightstand, but it's not in our heart. We have it on our bookshelf, but not in our heart. We even have it sometimes right in our own lap. But it's not really connected to our heart. Can I say this to you? Our Bible, it cannot be treated like your favorite novel. It cannot be treated like a blog post on the internet. It cannot be uh, uh, just treated like any other book. This is a love letter. Written from the very heart of God, through the heart of the holy men of God who pinned it down, straight to the heart of every born again believer. And the Bible should be cherished, and that happens in our heart. The Bible should be loved, and that happens in our heart. The Bible should be adored, and that happens in our heart. I have the first Bible that Malcolm Sr. ever bought for me. It's in my study at my house right now. It's, I keep it real close. It's the exact same thing as this one. This is just a new one. 
Uh, but I keep that one. And every once in a while, that was the first Bible I have, the first study Bible I have, the first Bible ever after I got saved. I had some other Bibles when I was little, but it was the first Bible that I ever connected with. It was the first Bible that ever connected with me. And I'm here to tell you, it is precious. Every once in a while, I get out that particular Bible and look through it. I look at the notes my mama wrote me that I have uh, taped in the, in, the, uh, in the front cover. There's a couple notes that my wife wrote me. Before we were ever even married, I have a note. It's in the back cover. I look at the highlights. I look at the different things I wrote in the margin. Uh, and it's special to me. It's special because it's connected to my heart. And our Bible is the closest connection we have to God. Now, the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. But as far as what we can hold, what we can read, what we can digest, it is our Bible. Amen? I mean this with love and respect, but, but Christian music does, can't do that. You may as well say amen. It encourages, it edifies, and a whole lot of the Psalms is all about music, amen. And some of these songs, they, they, they are songs, but the entirety of the scripture can do something for the child of God that a, that, that a, song, that's, that a songwriter writes just doesn't do. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And God wants it to be connected to our heart. Now, every Christian should connect with the Word of God because of the three benefits that will come. So I'm going to give you three benefits that will come in your life and my life as we connect our heart and God's Word. Benefit number one, we will find comfort for our trials. Comfort for our trials. Look, if you will, right here in Psalm 119 at verses 76 and 77. The Bible says, let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. You know where the psalmist ran to? When he needed someone to hold him, he ran to the Word of God. You know where the, uh, the New Testament apostles ran to when they needed comfort? They ran to the Scriptures that they had themselves. You know where every one of us as children of God need to run to on a daily basis for help and hope and strength and comfort. That's not to the telephone so we can gossip. It's not to the internet so we can make a post. It's not to the news outlet so we can see what's, how bad it is for somebody else. It's to God's precious word. I'm telling you, I don't care how much somebody lets you bend uh, their ear. At the end of that conversation, you won't find the comfort that you can find in a half a verse in the Bible. I think one of the breakdowns is because we're not in it consistently and we're not connecting consistently daily, we just don't think to run to it in our times of trouble. You know, after I got saved and then called to preach, there was, I can't never remember, if I want to know anything about, I have to call my mama. 
And she knows, she, she's got a Bible with dates wrote in it. But there was about a year. Yeah, matter of fact, 11 months from the time I got saved till the time I left to go to Bible college. And I had my Bible and I read it some, but I was still real close into that. I mean, I was fresh out of high school. That means I was fresh out of I hate reading. <laughs> fresh out of this is what you do to be punished mindset. And so I read it some, but only to hunt a sermon when he would let me have the chance to try to preach one. And it, it just never really clicked then. Then I went off to Bible college and it was my first or second semester and I had this teacher that made us read the book of Proverbs through once every week for a whole semester. That's like nine weeks. I thought I'm going to die. But about a week into that forced abuse, that's how I saw it. One morning, I mean, just while I was reading, just because I had to. Because in Bible college, them jokers, are, they're slick. They'll give you a test. And on that test, they'll, they'll have a question that says, did you read X amount of whatever? Yes or no? And, and all you have to do is yes or no. You'd think it'd be easy to fib. But they lecture you about if you lie, God will kill you, you know. That's what the Bible college people do. So I was afraid to lie. So I had to read. About five or six days into reading, one day, it was just like a light switch came on. And I began to understand it. Now, I didn't really know what was happening. But it was kind of like, if I could explain it to, to you like this. You ever been watching a, uh, a football game, basketball game, whatever, and, and, and you made the comment, man, that dude is just in the zone. He can't miss or, or whatever. He's on fire. Connecting with God's word, in my mind at least, it's kind of like that. It's like tarrying long enough in a setting of meditation and reading until something really flows into your heart and mind from it. And the first time that ever happened in my life, I thought, does this mean I'm a grown up now? I mean, I didn't know what, I, I didn't even, but I loved it. Because I would walk away from them morning devotion times and my soul was fed. And I found out that I could go the rest of the day in the strength of that hour. Here's my point. We need comfort for our trials because of the afflictions we face. And because of the adversaries we fight. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we're going to have some afflictions. And we're going to have some adversaries. And as a child of God, we can fight those things. We can respond to afflictions and fight adversaries in our flesh, which is a bad idea. Or we can do that in our spirit. In other words, we can fight in our own strength and respond in our own ability. Or we can respond through grace and strength and help that God gives us in the recesses of our heart because we're connecting with God's Word. What I'm trying to tell you is, as a child of God, we have a privilege. We have an opportunity that some that have rejected God in their life will never, ever know. It's an advantage, if you want to put it that way. And I thank God for that. Why? Because I need every advantage I can get as I walk through life. 
Psalm 119 and verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. Psalm 119.92 says, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have then perished in my affliction. Did you hear that? That was the sweet psalmist. That was King David. And he's, he's confessing. If he hadn't had the word of God, he'd have been over and out. Washed up. Done. Finished. My question is, what makes you think that you're so much stronger and better than the king that wrote this that you don't need it? You see where I'm going? There's been times in my life when I've went four, five, six days a week without even opening. My Bible. And I can't think of one of those times that I felt strong in my inner man. I challenge you to do something. Go home later and and just spend a little time meditating about, about the big failures in your life as a Christian. And if you don't have none of them, praise God. But most of us do. And examine that. Run the reel back in time. And see how much time you were spending in God's Word around the time of that failure. In my life, a lot of times there's a failure before the failure. Did you catch that? That's good right there if you listen. There's a failure before the failure. It's when I fail to give myself to God's Word so that God's Word can nourish my soul. So that's usually my failure before my failure. The good news is those times are preventable. Amen? Psalm 119.23 says, Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Have you ever had an adversary? 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Every person in this room has an adversary, the devil. Sometimes God blesses some of us with special adversaries like, like uh, you know, cherry on top type of thing. Here, have this too. But everybody has the devil as your adversary. And he's roaming around. He's seeking whom he may devour. Notice who he may devour. Who may he devour? Those weak ones. And we're going to get to that in a moment. You remember in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, when Christ was tempted on the mount? Do you remember that three times Satan came and literally tempted Jesus? At at one point, he said, and this was right after Jesus had fasted, For 40 days. And he was hungry. The Bible says afterward he hungered. And Satan came to him. And said hey I know you're hungry. Command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus quoted the scriptures. He said it is written. That man shall not live by bread alone. Now listen to me. He wasn't holding a physical copy in his hand. This will blow your mind. He was what he said. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Amen. Uh, Study on that one for a minute. John chapter one, but he had it in his heart for practical purposes. It was in his heart. And three times his response to Satan's uh, temptation was, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he found God's word comforting for his trials. And folks, you and I can too. If we connect with it. And that's a big if. Because we live in such a modern world, such a busy world, such a microwave society, that very few tarry long enough, still, S-T-I-L-L, before the Lord. But there's great promises for those who tarry. And wait upon the Lord. I want to ask you this question. Where do you run to for your comfort? Some of us have started taking a lot of comfort in our keyboards. It'll never work. Some of us have taken comfort in a lot of other things. It had come up empty. I want to encourage you, run to your Bible and stay there a while. And I promise you, great benefit is comfort for our trials. Number two, there's a second benefit when we connect God's word with our heart. And that is confidence for our tasks. That is for the things we're doing day in and day out. God's word gives confidence. Look at Psalm 11980. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. Why? That I be not ashamed. There is a holy confidence. There is a godly assurance that cannot be explained by knowledge or witty inventions, cannot be explained through, uh, through education. And I'm, I feel inadequate to try to explain to you what it is right here. But I'm here to tell you, there's a confidence that comes from a close relationship with your Bible that can take care of so many insecurities that you never thought possible. Why do we need confidence? So that we can stand. Now, I'm not talking about the confidence that comes through education. That is needed and good. I'm not talking about the confidence that comes from self-ability. I think we ought to have a good, healthy self-conscience. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a confidence that can penetrate our inabilities. That can penetrate our undereducation. That can, that, that can come even when the deck is stacked against us. A holy confidence. The word sound in in verse 80. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes. It simply means complete, whole, entire, without blemish. I want to give you a verse that has really helped me over the last couple of days. I read this verse a week ago, probably, in in just reading. And a couple of days ago, it popped into my mind. Now, let me tell you a secret. Ain't no verses going to pop in your mind mysteriously if, if you're not reading them daily. That's how they get there, right? 
some of our, our minds are so cluttered with other stuff, the other stuff is what pops in our mind. And it's like God's word is just drowned it out. And it, you with me? Proverbs 24.10. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. God brought that verse into my mind uh, yesterday or the day before. All my day, I don't know about you, but all my days run together. The only reason I know it's Wednesday is because we're having church. Amen? That's the truth. But God brought that verse into my mind. And I thought, well, well, thanks, Lord. Because <laughs> it sounds like kind of like a nan and a boo-boo verse. Hey, if you fall apart, your strength is small. <laughs> and that's how I took it when I first was meditating on it. But that's not at all. This verse is a revealing verse. It's a verse that produces evidence. The word faint means to sink into dejection. Jonathan, it literally means to lose courage or spirit. It means to give up. I want to read to you what uh, Bible commentator Matthew Henry said because I can't say it better. He said, in the day of adversity, we are apt to faint, to droop and be discouraged, to desist from our work and to despair of, of relief. Our spirits sink and then our hands hang down and our knees grow feeble and we become unfit for anything. And often those that are most cheerful when they are well droop most and are most dejected when anything ails them. This is an evidence that our strength is small and is a means of weakening it more. It is a sign that thou art not a man of any resolution any firmness of thought, any consideration, any faith. For that faith is the strength of a soul. If thou canst not bear up under an afflictive change of thy condition. I know that's old sounding language, but think about what I just said. He said it's, it's our faith in God that is the strength of our soul. And if we cannot bear up under any afflictive chains of our condition, it's an indicator that our faith is small. Some are so feeble that they can bear nothing. If a trouble does but touch them, like in Job 4 and verse 5. Nay, if it does but threaten them, they faint immediately and are ready to give up all for gone. And by this means they render themselves unfit to grapple with their trouble and unable to help themselves. Be of good courage therefore and God shall strengthen thy heart. Let me help you with this. According to that verse, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. According to that verse, if we wig out when trouble comes, our faith is small. Because the strength of our heart is our faith. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the You see how it connects? So if our heart is disconnected from our Bible, it all falls apart. Maybe you've fallen apart and you've just thought to yourself, why am I, why am I waking out? Proverbs 24 and verse 10 tells us exactly why. Our strength is small. And we need confidence for our task so that we can stand. And that confidence and that ability to stand comes from the strength of our heart. And that comes 
from our faith in God. And that comes from hearing the word of God. And preacher has said it a thousand times and I'll say it again. It's not enough to hear it from this pulpit a couple times a week. You have to hear it in the silence of your own intake. Amen. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. I know some of this is hard to hear, but boy, we need to hear it. The good news is that God has promised to strengthen us through his word. Psalm 119 in verse 28 says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Psalm 27 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That sounds like a AKC registered promise right there. Amen. Psalm 31, 24 says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. We need confidence for our tasks so that we can stand and so that we can speak. So that we can speak. Now, child of God, we're supposed to be doing some talking. Sharing our testimony, sharing our story, right? But if we have zero confidence in ourselves, in God, in His Word, in the outcome, I promise you this, we'll have zero speaking. <laughs> and I know for a fact, everybody's different. Amen. I, uh, what's the word, concede to that, or I admit that. I know that we all have different personalities, personality traits, different, you know, some people are, I don't even remember all them terms, but some are one, some's the other. I get all that. And I'm no psychologist here, but I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of Christians hiding behind their personality and using that as an excuse not to share their faith when the truth of the matter is they have zero confidence because they're just not connecting with the confidence connection. And for that, we should repent. For that, we should say, God, I'm sorry. For that, we should say, God, be the king of my shy spirit. God, be the helper of my, uh, uh, my fear. And God's give. why do you think God gives us all them kind of promises? Because <laughs> he knows we need them. Amen? Now, I'm not telling you you've got to stand up here and preach like Brother Malcolm or, 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 or be as bold as, as some of the people in the grocery. I'm not saying that. I want you to be you. And God wants you to be you. And God's big enough to let you talk to some other you or to some them, however you want to say that. How'd I get on that? Let's see. Paul was ready to preach because he was not ashamed. Remember that great verse in Romans uh, uh, 1, 15? So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at, at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You ever, you ever just thought, maybe it was because he was not ashamed that he was able to preach? What made Paul ready? Was it just his personality? What made him ready to preach? He was not ashamed. Why? He had confidence. Why? He'd been with Jesus. That's what they said about him. <laughs> Their accusers said, they've been with Jesus. And you know what? That's, that's who we need to be with too. You ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I could just sit down with Jesus uh, at the coffee shop or something. Boy, I just wish we could hang out. And Boy, what? You can. You sure can. Amen. He's waiting on you, matter of fact. 
He's waiting on me in the morning. And Lord willing, I'm, I'm going to keep my appointment. Amen. The disciples in the early church were extremely bold, were they not? Amen. But do you remember that they prayed for that boldness? Yeah. They asked God for it. They were bold in their declaration of the gospel, in their defense of the gospel, in their dependence on the gospel. They were bold because of their confidence, and their confidence was based on the truth. They had confidence in their message, in their master, and praise God in their methods, and they just went after it. And folks, that's what we've got to do as well. And we will have that confidence if we connect our heart with God's word. Not only, what was benefit number one? Uh, What was it? Somebody tell me. Comfort for our trials. All right. Benefit number two. Confidence for our tasks. Benefit number three is courage for our tomorrow. The Lord willing, and I hope he is for everybody in this room. I hope. We're going to wake up in the morning And we're going to have to live tomorrow too. Now, if I know anything, I know that there's somebody in this room, there could be a handful of somebodies. And we can't tell it by looking at you. And we can't tell it by when we fellowship. But you did all you could do to make it here tonight. The trials of today were so heavy, you're like, I don't even want to face tomorrow. Some of you looking at me like, I'll never feel like that. You just wait, big boy. You just wait, ma'am. There's going to come a day when you don't know what to do next. But if we find our next, if we walk into our next, We're going to have to have courage. You see, confidence is for today. Courage is for tomorrow. Because courage is what it's going to take to face it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Psalm 119.81 through 83 says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy words, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke. Yet do I not forget thy statutes. Why does he not forget thy statutes? Because that's the only thing worth holding on to. That's the only thing keeping him alive. That's the only thing. Keeping him going. It gave him courage. There's been a few times in my life when all I could do was hold my Bible and try to pray. There's been a a couple times in my life when I couldn't even pray. All I could manage was crying. But can I tell you some good news, child of God? In those times... You have an intercessor. The Holy Spirit of God has the ability to interpret your heart and carry that burden straight to the throne of God where you can find grace and strength to help in your time of need. Matter of fact, according to the Bible... We don't even know fully what we need. But our great intercessor does. And he's prayed for us. I like how Jesus told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for thee. Peter's failure was great. His rejection was real. But he had a prayer partner, amen. He had someone begging God on his behalf. Why do you think old brother Peter made it through? You think it's because he was a tough enough guy? I think somebody was in his corner. 
I think something supernatural came through. I think God had a plan. And I think prayers got answered. And I think it was all supernatural. But today we've got a whole lot of Christians functioning in a very natural way. Very secular ways. Very distant from the strength that we need. I'm telling you, the battle's not ours, it's the Lord's. But you can't just say that and ignore the Lord. Amen? We'll have comfort for our tomorrow. Or courage for our tomorrow. And we need that because of the violations we see. There was a time when a preacher would preach a message like this and he would get down to a point about that, like the violations we see, and he'd have to say a bunch of stuff to maybe convince the congregations that there was some bad stuff going on. I don't feel that need. I mean, I got some things in my notes to talk about here about the violations going on around us. And the, but it, 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 I mean, unless you're un, living under a rock, you understand. <laughs> Verse 78, Psalm 119, 78 says, let the proud be ashamed. For they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in thy precepts. You know literally what what he's saying? Those that are proud. Those that have dealt perversely with me without a cause. Those who have attacked me. Out of of a, a root of pride. He's saying let them be ashamed. And as for me. He says I'm going to. Here it is. I'm going to hunker down. In the word. That's what meditate means. It means hunker down. It means stay a little while. It means think about it. Consider it. Mull it over like a cow chewing its cud. Well, that's a good picture for you, isn't it? (laughs) Psalm 119.53-54 says, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. You see the, 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 uh, the contrast? This is what they're doing. Is what it's, this is what they're doing. This is what I'm going to do. We've got a house full of dogs at our house. And it's, a, it's chaos, amen? I call myself a dog trainer, but on most days it's chaos. But in dog training, there's this thing we talk about called redirection. Like if your dog is just, your little puppy's just chewing all over you, you know, and what? Well, redirect it. You say, not that, this. You know, don't chew my leg off, chew this bone. <laughs> redirect. Not that, this. It's a real simple principle. And that's what what the psalmist is saying. They're doing this. They're they're, they're proud. Uh, Let them be ashamed. As for me, I'm going to meditate in God's statutes. He's saying, not that, this. Child of God, not that, this. Not education, God's word. Not pride, humility through God's word. Not self-loathing confidence that's rooted in pride, but a holy boldness that's rooted in the word of God. Not that, this is exactly what he's saying. We need courage for tomorrow because of the violations we see and the visions we have. Now I'm not talking about you ate some day-old pizza visions. I'm talking about your God-given dreams and desires in the work of the Lord. 
Some of you are dreaming of that first person that you share your story with and they receive Christ as their Savior. That's a good vision to have, a good dream to have. Some of you are working in micro churches or DMD and you're doing the Discovery Bible series and your, your, your vision is to see that grow and see that split and see them grow and see them split and see them grow. Or whatever your vision may be. Whatever your dream may be. But I promise you this. It's going to take courage to see it come to fruition. And the courage I'm talking about can only be found in God's word. I remember the very first homeless ministry that April and I started. Well, not no, not the first one, but the I guess the second one. It was the Garden City Rescue Mission in Augusta, Georgia. And when we started that from scratch, I was 25 years old, maybe 26. I had to ask my mama. No, April would know that one. But it was in 2001, April 4th of 2001 is when we first opened the doors. And I'm 25 or 26, either way, I was a youngin, so to speak. Everybody that came in that mission was older than me. Now, we occasionally had some 19, 20-year-olds, whatever, but, but 9 out of 10 of the men with broken lives that came in that mission were twice my age. The average age, I think, was 45 years old. And here I am, 25, 26, the executive director, only executive because that's what I called myself on my business card because it sounded cool, (laughs) of this mission. And all these older, broken men coming there for help. And I can remember feeling this capable, about like that. I can remember running to my office on a lot of occasions and just shutting the door and just hiding. Am I telling the truth, April? Hiding and hoping the man out in the lobby would just decide to go away. (laughs) Honest to God, I'm not even kidding. Because I had no idea how I was going to fix it or deal with it. I can remember... Minimum dozen occasions, men, I'm talking about grown men, they looked like Goliath back then, shaking their fist in my face and, 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 and threatening me with every curse word. That, and it was nothing for me to learn new ones. Wow, what's that mean, sir? You know, I can remember having to dial the 911 and hope and pray to God that they got there before the dude broke the door down. And, you know, a, a big city rescue mission, sometimes you, and, and by the way, most of them wasn't even the homeless people. That was like the gangsters that would, anyway. Finally, I figured out if I'm going to have any confidence in this here deal, it, it, buy a pistol. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had plenty of them. You know I did. But it, honestly, it didn't bring me no confidence. Because the last thing in the world I wanted to do was shoot my mission field. <laughs> I mean, how's that work? Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Travis came to lock and load. I mean, no. No, that don't work. I mean, I will. I'm a Second Amendment dude, but let that be so. Anyway, I don't. And I can remember just coming to the conclusion that the only way I'm going to face those men, the only way I'm going to face those situations, the only way I'm going to face those threats is if God is my helper and I get it here. 
And somewhere along the way, God taught me that if I could connect my heart with God's word every single day of my life, that would be the energy that made it happen. That would be the, that's it. I don't have another way. I don't have a self-help for you. I don't have seven steps. I don't have all this stuff. I got something a lot better. It's God's word. My heart and my Bible. Amen. Amen. And the cool thing is, you as a child of God have the same exact access. We can come boldly to the throne of God. And the way to get there, the route to get there is through your Bible. Amen.